Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Time now for Dan Issel and Louis Rabot, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Dan and Louis. Good Thursday morning, everybody. This is Issel and Louis, ESPN 680, 105.7, and the ESPN Louisville app, however you're listening this morning. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Louis is on vacation this week. Sitting in for Louis again is Mike Gandolfo. Mike, uh, Kentucky refuses to lose. Uh, That's one way to put it. What was Louisville doing at the end of that game? IU loses at Northwestern. Northwestern is in Man. second place in the Big Ten. And something happened last night, Mike, that hasn't happened in college basketball since the year I was born. Whoa. Where would you like where would you like to start? I'm kind of intrigued by that one. Tell me what happened in college basketball last night. Last night when Tennessee knocked off Alabama. Alabama was the eighth team, eighth team to be beaten while being ranked number one in the country. Well, and there you that go. Has not, and that has not happened. Not that many number one teams have been beaten since the 1948-49 college basketball season. And it almost seems like, it almost feels like there's been more than that this year, honestly. Like, it feels like it's like <laughs> the second someone becomes number one, they're going to lose, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and that was Alabama's first loss of the SEC campaign, uh, showing that they all they are vulnerable. Um, I, you know, again, I think this will be an interesting topic. Maybe we we even talk with uh, Jay Davis and Ben Roberts later about this. Like who who right now, if you had to pick a Final Four, and who would you want to be the national champion, or who do you think would be the national championship? I think Alabama would be my choice. Um, but you know, I don't know. We got a long way to go, and everyone everyone's flawed. I think that's the one thing going into this NCAA tournament is that everyone is flawed and that the the difference between at least the the big power five schools that are going to get into the tournament so let's say the between the one seed and the 11 seed there's not a whole lot of difference between those those teams yeah no I I think I think you're absolutely right and uh, when you look at that game last night and you look at the box score (laughs) you wonder excuse me you wonder how how Tennessee won the game and, and, and frankly won it easily. I mean, they shoot 36%. Uh, I think they're like 65% from the free throw line. But they turned, and this is what Kentucky's going to face Saturday afternoon at Rupp. They turned Alabama over 19 times. Wow. That's, that's how good Tennessee's defense is. And um, 
So at times, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's the same defense that gave up 86 points to Missouri, though, right? So it's like, um, you know, it's the cons- the lack of consistency in college basketball is mind boggling to me. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely you're absolutely right. Yeah. and uh, and and I I think it would be impossible, impossible right now to name. Uh, four teams that you feel good about being in the final four uh and uh, yeah i think it would be really tough and uh which you know makes for a fun march um kentucky actually picked up two quad win one quad win one win one wins quad one wins man that is hard to say now quad uh, one wins uh last night when because of texas a&m uh getting the uh, getting the w making the texas a&m win now a uh a quad one uh which i know you are following that to the T. Oh, that yes. So, yes. It's so important yeah. to you, Dan. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I guess, I mean, I guess maybe I should change my mind because everything I read, that's the first thing that's mentioned, how many quad one wins they have. I, I guess the selection committee puts great strength in in that when they make. But like I told Louie, you know, if, if that's the case, then why do we even have a selection committee? Correct. Just just go down. Whoever has the most quad one wins, that's the number one seed. Whoever has the most, you know, quad quad uh, second most, they're the number two seed. You know, if, if it's that important, you don't even need a selection committee. Well, it comes down, you know, kind of like what you and I were talking about yesterday when we were talking about pro prospects about, you know, where it's not really about stats, it's about the eyeball test and, you know, and that same kind of thing has to apply. So we're looking for all these metrics, right, so that we can compare these teams that play in different parts of the country and play different schedules and and have all these different variables. And but then, how do I compare uh, an Arkansas to a St. Mary's out in the West Coast Conference and all that kind of stuff who might be fighting for uh, spots at the end of the uh, at the at the end of the tournament? Um, although I think St. Mary's is probably in pretty easily but uh you, you get the idea like we're, we're trying to come up with all these metrics and how we can show it with data and at the end of the day like the, the committee that's their job is to watch these teams and say you know what we think that this team would beat this team and yeah. and, and uh, uh so taking the human element out of it um i don't know i don't know if uh i don't know how i feel about that because it's uh, and especially this year when you don't know which version of which team is going to show up. When you think one team's starting to get traction, and that they're starting to show some sort of consistency that you know what to expect day in and day out. I mean, Alabama is a perfect example. Alabama loses to Tennessee, turn the ball t- over nineteen times. They get land blasted against Oklahoma, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it's just mm-hmm. they they lose to Gonzaga earlier in the year. Their losses. Uh, were just total total hiccups and uh, they got beat by 15 against UConn uh so it's like at the end of the day like when that they obviously can have a version of them of that team that shows up that can lose to almost anybody yeah and 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 I understand I mean you have to look at some of the metrics you have to look at you know what the what the net ranking is you have to look at that but but you just mentioned Alabama lost to UConn and that was early, early, early in the year. Right. And but you're going to tell me that out, that UConn could beat Alabama today, especially at a neutral site? No way. 
No way. So if that's a quad win or a quad two win or I mean, it happened in November. Right. And, and, and you know, use those as a guideline. But that's not the, you know, the, the where all to end all. I mean, don't you can't say this team deserves me if they're playing terrible at the end of the year. I don't care how many quad wins, one wins they have. They don't. You know, you've got to you've got to look at how these teams are performing, and who and who and 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 ha- have they gotten better as the season has gone on, or have or, or are they, are they staying the same? Uh, are, have they gotten worse? And so, you know, use that as a guideline. But you know, if you read some of these articles, you would think. The, the only way that a team can make the NCAA tournament is if they have four, five, six quad one wins. I don't, I don't think that should be the case. You know, and you know, going back to your point, Dan, like when those games occur, we don't know who's hurt. Like they're they're judging based on, on what team is available, like who's injured, whatever else. You know, so and so broke up with their girlfriend. So and so just failed a, a chemistry test. Like these are teenage kids that still that all that stuff still affects them, right? Sure. And so for us to think that. Uh, you know, so and so broke up with a girlfriend, and they had to travel on the road for a tough conference game, and they drop one that they shouldn't have dropped. I mean, that just that stuff happens, and and uh, and I think it makes it completely diff- uh, very difficult for the committee to just say, "Hey, we think this is the team that shows up for the tournament." And because I think, it, like, let's take Florida right now. Florida's got a great big man who they just lost last night for breaking his hand or wrist. I'm, one of the two. The guy's out. Yeah, um, Ca- uh, Castleton is out for the rest of the regular season, and whether or at, not, at least. So then, how do you start judging? How do you start judging their tournament? Um, where they should be in the tournament? That's a team that's squarely on the bubble, right? And if, I think that looks completely different if they have Castleton. If they don't have Castleton. I know they anticipate Castleton coming back for the NCAA tournament, but you never, you never know. I mean, no. maybe he comes back in the second, the second weekend. I mean, what, how do you judge a team like Florida? Because they're totally different without that Castleton guy. No, and especially with Kentucky, because that big joker has given Oscar fits. fits. Oh, he yeah. Has, he has, Oscar has not performed well against Castleton. And, and so, um, you know, that, that just made that trip to Gainesville a little easier for, for UK. Uh, as, uh, as Mike mentioned, our regular Thursday lineup at 1030 – uh, ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader will join us, and we'll talk about uh, last night's win uh, against Mississippi State. And at eleven, uh, Jay Davis, our good uh, friend from Detroit, and we will. Uh, I've, I've got a number of things I want to talk to uh, to to Jay about, and he is. Uh, I don't know if you've heard Jay before. Oh yeah, Mike, I've talked to him before. He, yeah, he's been. Uh, there was a couple times where Louie and I did this show. Uh, uh, and we had Jay on. I, mean, I think the first couple times when Jay started coming on, actually, because okay. I know that's a connection from Louie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've talked to Jay several times. He's a good guy. Really good. Guy. He's yeah, so yeah. knowledgeable. Knows everything about on, on on everything. Yeah. On 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 everything. But uh, he he's kind of our uh, NBA expert. So uh, we'll talk to Jay about the uh, the happenings in the NBA and uh, uh, another big sports item today. And we talked earlier. I think we talked Monday about. Uh, how much you like or, or watch or don't like golf. Yes. But uh, <laughs> a, a, huge, a, a huge happening today, uh, Tiger Woods playing in the first non-major tournament in 
I think I'm, over two years. Yeah, it's been a long time. And, uh, you know, that's a guy right there that hopefully his body holds up because golf's a lot better when he's there. And golf's got all these great young superstars. Um, you know, so having a tiger there to kind of be on the other end of that when some of those, uh, some of the older guys are maybe getting off the tour, deciding to go to, to play on the live tour or whatever else, which I have no problem with, just like I know you don't either. But, um, you know, I think it's golf's better with Tiger Woods around. It makes it a whole lot more fun to watch. And I do like watching golf on those final days when the pressure mounts. I love seeing how people in individual sports have to handle pressure situations. And yeah. uh, golf's a yeah. great uh, way to kind of do that. So, hey, Dan, how big do you think the, according to Bracketology on ESPN, how big do you think the bubble is right now? <laughs> I, I would imagine it's, it's pretty large. I mean, Four, 41 teams going for 28 spots. Ew. We're mid-February, and the bubble's 41 teams going for 28 spots. 28 spots. Yeah. There's teams in the top 25 that they don't think are locks to make it into the tournament right now. Mm. I mean, I think that's... You know, it, and is that good for college basketball to not? Ha- is it good for college basketball not to have a just a dominant team that you know people like say that's the standard that you know that's the for sure number one seed? Is this better for college basketball to have? You know, I you know I the, I think the level plays down a little bit. Well, I you know the one thing is uh, there there were always uh, a handful ten teams that right. you could that you could count on now i mean with with the talent i mean there's there's so many talented kids that fill rosters uh, all all across the country that you can't say that team i mean i like it when my team is number one and they're and they're they're the dominant team and they're they're the one that is expected to win the championship i like that but if when my team isn't in that conversation then yeah i love it when it's wide open i i think march madness is going to be a hoot this year yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun so hey hey i want to uh i want to remind you all about my friends at bear nose pizza there mm. are 14 area locations in kentuckiana including the original bear nose that's the one at bowman field taylorsville road stop in say hi to our buddy rob moody there great food great drinks and great people bear nose has you covered for lunch or dinner carry out delivery or dine in yeah, it's that good. You can ask for Dan Itzel's personal bottle of uh, of mustard. Mustard, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you really put on mustard my on your line, pizza. man. Oh, yeah, I'm it's sorry. That good oh. bear nose oh. pizza. Bear nose pizza. What? Uh, let's talk about Louisville. We'll, uh, we'll we'll cover Kentucky. Yes. when we get Ben on at the bottom of the hour, but uh, uh, let's, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about now. I have to be. I laughed at that. Go ahead. I, I have to be honest. I didn't watch this game from start to finish. My uh, my granddaughter, who is a senior in high school, had a is in DECA. Do okay. You know what DECA is? I do. I've heard of DECA before. It's it's an educate. It's a <sighs> remind me. Yeah, well, it's, it's like it's, an academic society, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and she uh, did uh, did her presentation locally. And one, and now goes to the Broadmoor, wow. which is a, a really nice place for the state. And if she wins at state, she'll go to the national in Orlando. But uh, they had some, um, they had a, 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 a meeting last night for 
parents and grandparents and teachers, and they selected some of the kids to give their DECA presentation, and Addie was one of those. So congratulations, that, that, that's great. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot more important than Virginia and Louisville. But I did come home and and watch some of the end of the game. Uh, that I had taped before I watched the Kentucky game that I had taped from beginning to end. So um, that's uh, a little transparency up front. But uh, looking at the box score, looking at some of the game I saw, um, I mean, the Cardinals were right there, had a chance, Mike. Well, I'll I'll tell you what I've, you know, I, I watched uh, the majority of this game. I did miss a little bit of the first half, and I know Louisville jumped out to a huge lead, actually. I mean, they, they came out of the gate really, really strong. Um, and so there was a couple things that I observations that I thought here. It's like first off, the fact that you're playing a team like Virginia, which is again, I know you had your root canal yesterday. Did that go well, by the way? <laughs> well, at least I can talk. Okay, all right. Well, you so you uh, they can't. You know, Virginia is is like going to the dentist and getting a root canal when you play them uh, a lot of times, right? So and. Every single time, um, and I, I kept on thinking about the movie Hoosiers. At the beginning of the movie Hoosiers, when Gene Hackman's character is trying to get them to play a certain way, and they look like they just look terrible, and there and there's like this constant fighting be, uh, between how they used to do it and what used to be okay, and then what's okay now. And then when you started to start to see things click, and for me, the ability where where Louisville could have had things just. You know, one of the things I guess when you're when you're looking for teams right now is how quickly can they stop the bleeding? When they make a mistake, how quickly can they stop the bleeding? And so it doesn't just get worse and worse and worse. And they were able to do that. I mean, I think that's where that you started to see the way that Kenny wants them to play, where they were moving the ball. I mean, their ball movement was phenomenal. I, I honestly like they were moving the ball better than uh, I've seen Kentucky move the ball all year long, and. Yeah. And then they were getting good shots. It wasn't just the L. Ellis show. And then you would see them revert. You know, a situation, they would feel the pressure of a situation. You would see them revert back to the way they were doing it. And, of course, that happened at the end of the game. And Kenny talked about that, I know, uh, about kind of what happened at the end of the game, even though it's something they work on every day. When they were in the real situation, they felt the pressure of trying to get the three. They worked around the perimeter. And they Kenny was like, go get the easy. He wanted them to go get the easy two. Sure. Uh, he had no timeouts left, and I, I, you know, I, I know when I coached, we were we worked on in-game situations every day, and we did every at the end day. of practice. That's how you in practice, and absolutely. It was always kind of, and it's a fun way to in practice, right? Like we had a box where we can we would just like draw out a situation, you know, so and so. There's a minute thirty left. So and so's down by five. They got the ball on the side. Whatever it is. So um, I thought they were. I thought there was a lot of positives that came out of Louisville. Where you, there was no doubt about it that that team that played last night is considerably better than who played who was playing in December. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. There's still, you know, they 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 still they got nothing off the bench. We saw Huntley Brinkley for the first time in in a month, and he plays seven minutes. And here's his stat line, Mike. One personal foul. Yeah, uh, you, you know you got you got to do better than that. But uh, I I think I mean Virginia gave them a chance to win this game. I, I don't think they had a basket in the last three and a half minutes of the game. They missed five out of six free throws, and and so you know Louisville really had a had a had an excellent chance to win this game against 
you know, one of the top, I think they were rated seventh, seventh? in the country yeah. coming in, weren't they? But here's the stat, just looking at the box score and, and trying to break down what I see in front of me. Here's the one that stands out. And as you said, the old bugaboo, 10 turnovers, which isn't bad, but they only had seven assists, 10 mm-hmm. turnovers for 13 points. Now, when, when your opponent only scores 61 to start with, you know, you can't, you can't give them 13 free points. And, and that's what they had was 13, 13 points off of 10 turnovers. So that, that's still something that this team has to clean up. And that's a, that's a really good point, too. And I think when you look at basketball from a standpoint, like Louisville did have a couple, uh, what, we, what I would call a cardinal sin, no pun intended, um, turnover like when you they had a situation in the second half where they got a steal and then they turned it right back over the turnover after the turnover is the one that you don't want to commit right you had a chance to take advantage of Virginia's mistake and you just compounded by making a mistake and then they gave up a I believe, I believe a layup at the other end and and that's also a reminder to me to me also Dan that not all turnovers are created equal there's a dead ball turnover and yeah. then there's the live ball turnover and that those leads to an easy basket. Right. And those live ball turnovers and that's happened in Kentucky in their game too, where I thought the live ball turnovers were um were not great. And so we're getting a texture, for example, who says that uh, and the, by the way, this is the first time all week that the text line has actually worked for me. So the text line is up and going, and I guess I should give what that number is. Uh the text line is uh, Avery, help me out. What's the text line? Four three seven nine six eighty? Is that it? Yeah. That sounds right. Okay, all right, great. Uh, the UPS job text line, 502-437-9680. That, that was Virginia's worst game of the year. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now that whenever someone says that, there's always two teams playing, <laughs> right? So uh, I, I would think that Louisville, first off, has to be able to take advantage of Virginia playing poorly, and they did. And uh, and I don't think that would have been possible in December. Yeah, and now – I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Let's get uh, Avery puts a, a sound sheet together for us today. Yes, uh, both for Kentucky and Louisville. Uh, Avery, uh, let's let's do uh, Kenny Payne number one playing uh, Virginia tough. Did I not give you? She, enough? She's here. She's 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 working on it. <laughs> she's almost there. Oh. Come on, thumbs. Right. Well, you know, thumbs thumbs is out there. She's she said keep going. So I don't know if the, if the machine is having the sound machine is having some troubles or whatever. But we'll get to the point here. Um, yeah, I'm more interested, honestly, too, on the second sound because we didn't see a core four play in this game at all. And I think that's another thing. I, I, I um, it did not seem because of the way Virginia played that a core four would have been ready to play against that style of basketball. And that's what Kenny kind of said in the uh, in the in the uh, post game. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, that's a guy who elevates the team's effort level when he's on the floor no question. Um, so and you know you, you could argue that Huntley Hatfield maybe does the opposite and so um, it's it's interesting to me too that we we will have this kind of result without a core four playing so um, I listen anytime you go play a top 10 team whether or not they brought their they brought their a game or didn't and played well or didn't and you can still go that do that do that well against them is amazing so yeah no, I I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I thought it was, and it was entertaining to watch. I mean, it was a really, it was a lot more fun last night for me to watch the little game than it was for me to watch the Kentucky game. Well, I just wish I, I uh, and and the one I really want to hear, and Avery, let us know when you have these available. The one I really want to hear is uh, if he sees an impact on next season. 
right at, at, with this team getting getting better as the year goes on i just i'd love to see them and not just georgia tech or virginia tech i'd like to see them knock off one of these big guys at the at the end of the year that would give them some momentum at least going into the off season well there's one big boy in particular i'd like to see them knock off <laughs> so and i think they could i think they could beat duke you know, I don't, Duke's not a Duke's not no, a world beater. This is, you no, know, this isn't this this isn't a great Duke team. Uh, the only problem there is that it's at Durham, right? So that yeah, that, that yeah. makes it really that, tough. That but, will make it. That'll make it difficult. Yeah, and and then but the win against Clemson, if they were able to play all, play well and get a win against Clemson this weekend, that would be a good win because Clemson's that fighting would be for a their really nice win. They're fighting for their tournament life too. You know, so they got a lot to play for, and uh, that would be a, that would be a really good win. It'd be a solid yeah. win, and right. something I think that's totally doable. Um, did you hear anything about the deflated ball story? That was I did not. Okay, I did so not. so uh, so I, I saw it on the sound sheet, but I, I I'm not I, I don't know what that's about. Well, I know we only got a couple minutes before we got to take a break and get ready for Ben, but the uh, but basically it was mentioned in the and it was really like this is the epitome of how things are mentioned in a press conference and then the press just blows it out of proportion like no other. Yes, uh, because you started seeing all these tweets about the deflated ball and the and was Louisville doing this intentional? And like, I guess a couple of the Virginia players mentioned that they felt like the ball was deflated a little bit in the second half, and they asked Tony Bennett about it in the in the press conference. He just kind of laughed it off. I mean, it was like no big deal whatsoever. And then you see just like the media blow that thing way out of proportion. I mean, it was um, you know you would have thought they were fighting over what they're going to put on a banner or something like that. So um, <laughs> it's, it was just crazy. So. Uh, okay, uh, Avery says she's got the KP clips. Let's go with number one on playing Virginia tough. Sometimes when you play a team and you're looking at the record, you do have a mental letdown. And I'm glad that teams do because I want them to come in here and think, okay, we Louisville's going to be an easy win. And then you play against us and you see when we're together, like we have not let go of the rope. Nope. I'm not going to allow them to let go of the rope. But when we're fighting and we're together and we, there are stretches in the game where we look like we're supposed to look. And I, and I think, Mike, uh, I, I have seen a little bit of that. I think last night might have been an example of that where Virginia thought uh, we just have to show up and we'll win. I especially thought that was true in the Miami game because, remember, two days later, Miami had to go to North Carolina and, and play the Tar Heels. And so I, I think he's right. I think there has been some. But as you said, I mean, they still have to show up and play. And and I, I don't know. I, I don't know how he keeps them in his vernacular uh, from letting go of the rope when you're now, what, three and yeah, you got nothing to play for. No. Right. Nothing. Nothing. I, I, think it's, I think it's a great – I think it's a remarkable coaching job. Uh, for them to fight it the way they fought last night. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we go to the break, let's let's do that uh, that number three, Avery. Uh, I'm real interested in this. Uh, anything that would have an impact on next season? This is not a fair question, but I'll ask it anyway. They always say you can tell the most significant stuff about your team against the best teams you play. You don't yeah. compare against the, the bottom teams. This is as good as you're going to play. They're really yeah. good. Did you take away things today to find out, you know, this shows me that next year, assuming the guy comes back, he's something I can, somebody I can count on, I can build on this. Did you get meaningful answers tonight, do you think? I got meaningful answers on the mentality that I need. I got meaningful answers on 
the offense I'm running. I got meaningful answers on the type of defense I want to play mm-hmm. because when we're locked in and we're doing it, we're pretty good. Now, as far as players are concerned, I got to make sure that they understand this can never look like this again. This can never be like this again. And I'm not for sure that they understand exactly what that means, but I'm trying to beg them, implore to them to understand that this can't ever be like this ever again. And so you got to fight. It's not a choice. Right now, you got a choice. I look down the bench. I don't have a lot to go to. Mm-hmm. It won't be like that forever. Let me let me translate that for all of our listeners, Mike. <laughs> uh, what he just said was, I feel real confident in what I'm doing, and I have absolutely no confidence in the people that are doing it. <laughs> and so, and so, it, I mean, it, it's not as blatant as as Prime coming in and saying, "I'm bringing my own luggage." You you all need to get up out of here, <laughs> like he did at Colorado. He, it was a little more subtle than that, but that's exactly what Kenny just said. Yeah, I mean, I think and he also uh, went further, and I can't remember which press conference it was with Bob or not, but just talking about how they've got to get a competition level in practice up where they know that there's someone breathing down their neck uh, who, if they're not going to perform, then there's someone else who's going to take their spot. So, um, which uh, that's a huge part of it, right, Dan? Yeah, yeah, and I think by not starting him last night, uh, Lands gets his opportunity to start and, you know, comes up empty. I think he was one for seven or something like that from the field. But I I think that was the message, and it's, you know, the season's over. Does Curry have any eligibility left? Uh, Um, It it doesn't matter. No. Um, But I think that was the the message to Sidney last night, you know. You're not getting anything done, so you sit over here with me at the start of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. uh, all right, let's uh, let's take a break, and Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader will join us after that. A reminder that this hour of the show is brought to you by our friends at Kentucky Tourism. When you're ready to explore the outdoors, there's no better place than home. Hike, bike, paddle, fish, or even venture deep underground. This is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Plan your summer getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. This segment with Dan Issel and Louis Rabot is presented by KentuckyTourism.com. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, listening to us. Uh, Louis on vacation this week. Mike Gandolfo is sitting in. And we welcome in our friend from the Lexington Herald Leader who covers all things UK basketball, Mr. Ben Roberts. Ben, how are you this morning? Good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing uh, we're we're doing about as well as can be expected, I guess. <laughs> so, so, uh, so Ben. First of all, Louis on vacation, and he's the one who always gives out your uh, Twitter and all that stuff. So tell tell everybody right up front where they can find your stuff. Uh, yeah, Twitter uh, Ben Roberts HL and, and yeah Kentucky dot com or in the, the print edition of the Herald Leader for for stories. And then, okay, and he's right. brought to us by Martini's Italian Bistro, which uh, Ooh, yes. we got to make sure Thank we you. we mention that as well, the sponsor of this segment, and uh, uh, we we got to have a really good lunch there a couple weeks ago, right, Dan? 
Absolutely, that was we fantastic. Did. Ben couldn't make it. So, so Ben, <laughs> are you familiar with the song "Everything Old Is New Again"? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yes, I am. Yeah, uh, so I guess we brushed off the old mantra from the UMass days, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, I mean, everybody knows how Kyle likes to recycle his, his mantras, and I feel like he's been through about six or seven catchphrases or mottos uh, so far this season, just trying to, um, you know, rally these guys to get whatever works. And I, I had to interrupt him last night to ask if he'd ever brought out that refused to lose at Kentucky, and he, he said he hadn't. Um, and I went back a little last night. I couldn't, I couldn't find a a uh a time where he did so yeah he's he's going back to the oldies for for this team right now well uh i'll tell you right now being a kentucky fan feels a little bipolar because <laughs> <laughs> where do you think we stand right now with that win over mississippi state and picking up actually two quad win when win, win man i'm not gonna be able to do that dan quad you better one write wins. that down so you can read it instead well, of doing I, it's, it from it's memory. just i think just saying it fast is what kind of gets me quad uh, one wins last night okay. are we uh do you think kentucky's now on the good side of the bubble yeah i mean i, I think they're right there on the line and i, I think it's going to change from from game to game and even maybe day to day when they're not playing when some of these other bubble teams are playing i mean the good news for them is especially over the weekend, all these teams around them on the bubble, uh, or projected bubble at least, lost two. So, they, you know, they, they lost those two games last week, but I don't know that they really lost a ton of ground because somebody's got to pass them up. They've got to put 68 teams in the tournament. And they've got to find a lot of at-large teams. So that was a big win last night. Um, Texas A&M won, so they're 31st. They're, they're one spot away from, from jumping up into that quad one territory to give Kentucky another win. And then obviously the, the next three games they play are, are all quad one opportunities, um, but all tough games, especially with with C.J. Uh, Frederick and, and Xavier Wheeler still out. And, you know, I, don't, I haven't heard or seen anything that would make me think they're going to play Saturday. Uh, did I see Wheeler with a boot on last night, Ben? He did. Yeah, he had a um, he had like one of those hard cast walking boots on his. Um, or I guess not a hard cast, but he had a walking boot on his on his right foot ankle, um, kind of hobbling around down there. He wasn't out there for kind of the the final shoot around. Uh, came out, you know, for, for that last layup line right before lineups and CJ Frederick was out there talking to the guys and and clearly uh, in street clothes not not going to play so you know usually if guys are close um and it's a game time decision those guys are either staying in the back or trying to go and lay up line um the fact that they they didn't get that far and that they haven't practiced yet cal said uh is, is probably a red flag for saturday especially they don't have anything today um so they're going to practice tomorrow and that'll be their only practice before the tennessee game and with those two guys out, and Case and Wallace only scoring four points and one for thirteen from the field, uh, you know Kentucky was still able to pull that. Really, only playing five guys, and uh, you know I think what's interesting to me is when I look at Wallace's stat line, you can focus on the one for thirteen, but I'm focusing on the eleven assists and one turnover. So his performance was not as bad last night as what some of the uh, post game callers would want. I think it was. Oh no, yeah, yeah. I don't know what was said on the post game shows, but I thought, I mean, that was that kind of gritty, gutty effort that John Calipari has been asking of his guys all season long. Um, and he's clearly, you know, I, he's playing hard. Like he, that that back issue is is flaring up on him. He's playing through it. Um, and then last night, he, I don't know if this was the reason, but that gym, Humphrey Coffee, was about twenty degrees warmer 
than uh, certainly than Rupp and, and really than any other arena I've been in this season. I don't know what was going on there, but but you could probably see on TV the the condensation on the floor. Uh, mm. All it just it, it took forever to to wipe stuff up, and I, I would imagine that when Kaysen kind of called himself out of the game there early in the second half, uh, it looked like I could I didn't have a great view, but it looked like it was probably a cramp situation, and then Cal had to call a timeout with 12 minutes left in the game just to get him. Uh, some more rest. So, I mean, he was really struggling through it last night. But yeah, the the uh, the assist to turnovers was just unbelievable. And the fact that he, uh, I mean, a lot of those, he was able to kind of discombobulate the defense and spread it around and, and get those open threes for Antonio Reeves, get some other good looks for people. So, yeah, I thought, you know, you're not going to make every shot, and you're, you're going to have some off shooting uh, games if you're a good shooter. And, and I thought he everywhere else he, he came up big time. Ben, I, I think that if Kentucky's going to make a, a late season run here, uh, they have to get more consistent performances. I mean, if, if you take uh, Wallace's one for 13 out, I mean, they're they're way up in the 50 percentile shooting the ball. Toppin had a great night. Livingston had a great second half. We take Oscar for granted, of course. But uh, it, it, do you feel – do you have any confidence that that Kentucky can continue to get those kind of performances out of people around uh, Oscar? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can. It's just a matter of who's going to do it each night. I, I think you're going to get more nights like this where two or three of those guys can have a really good night, but two or three can struggle, especially shooting the ball. And, you know, it, I think last night's a perfect example. It just kind of shows you what – if everybody was on or just, you know, not even up to a 10, but if everybody was up to an eight at the same time on this team, I think they could really click and, and do some good things. But, but it seems like every game you, you have that guy who, uh, who just goes over the second half or, or can't hit a shot, can't hit a three, uh, making turnovers, um, you know, getting in foul trouble. Uh, and that's, that's obviously part of basketball, but with this team, yeah, that inconsistency just, just seems to be there every single night but it's not you know early in the season there were some guys who were inconsistent but now it just seems like the whole whole team is and you never know where you're going to get it from I think injuries have to have to be a big part of that you know when you got Casey Wallace playing 40 minutes a game when you got Antonio Reeves trying to shoot out there in the second half after playing 38 39 minutes it's going to happen and Oscar's got to be wearing down as much as he's playing um so it, I mean they need to get guys back to to make a run but but uh, until they do, they, they obviously got to keep winning to to get in a ch- get, get in a position uh, where they're able to make a run. Yeah, only twenty two bench minutes last night, which is a, a mind blowing stat when you look at it. Uh, but part of that, I think, from a positive side, is that we got to see Livingston kind of play through some mistakes, and um, and because of that, I thought, did this? You know, if he turns the corner, becomes what he was last night. I mean, that gives a whole other dynamic to this team. I mean, just talk about what you saw from Livingston last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I in the first half, I don't know how much of the TV cameras caught it, but he um, he didn't lose his man. But on a defensive assignment, it was basically a team defense scheme, and and he he wasn't playing within the scheme, and somebody else got open. There, there was his uh, you know his his responsibility scored. Cal immediately thumbs Adu Thoreau into the game before they even get the ball uh, down court, and then so Chris comes out. He hadn't been in very long, makes a bad turnover, and then also didn't – he wasn't going to be anywhere close to being able to get back to contest the shot, but, you know, maybe you, you're in a spot to get a rebound. Didn't didn't follow the guy back down the court in transition, and it looked to me like that's what really ticks Cal off. 
So he brings him out again, and you know what was what was interesting to me is Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware both could tell that obviously Cal was frustrated, and that Chris was also frustrated. I think I don't know if they were afraid he was going to say something or if just they didn't like his body language, but they both ran over there before he got to Cal, and basically was you know <laughs> were like, "You're good, you're good, calm down, we'll get through this." Um, so there was no incident on the bench or anything. He comes out in the second half and just plays like. You know, I mean, he looked like one of the best players in the country, just as assertive as he was, both scoring the ball, rebounding, just kind of being all over the place. And and that's the type of player he can be. Uh, and, 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 yeah, if he can do that consistency, I mean, he scored 13 points in the second half and made a lot of big plays, especially that, that huge offensive rebound down the stretch. So if he can do that, anything close to that on, on a regular basis, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a he's a huge, huge piece for this team down the stretch. Yeah, I'm glad they kept him away because uh, if there's a physical confrontation, my money's on Livingston. Uh, <laughs> we're talking with Ben Roberts at BenRobertsHLKentucky.com, and uh, Ben is brought to us every week by Martini Bistro, MartiniLouisville.com, out in the paddock shop, open for lunch Thursday to Friday. Great place for lunch or dinner. Uh, ben, explain to me. Now, I, I read in some of uh, uh, Cal's postgame comments, he gave Tyler Eulis credit for posting up uh, Chris in the second half because he had a smaller man on him. What? What is – where did Tyler come from? What is his role? I, I mean, he's dressed like a player, not an assistant coach. What's the relationship there? Yeah, well, I, I wish we were doing this show tomorrow because I actually sat down with Tyler. Um, I, I think I'm the, the first reporter here to, to, to get a chance to, to talk to him at length. And we have a long story on Kentucky.com tomorrow morning, actually, talking about Tyler and his journey back here and, and his outlook on the future and just what his role is on this team. Um, so I, I, I encourage people to, to, to check that out first thing in the morning tomorrow. But, yeah, basically he – he was in the car accident. You know, he was still trying to trying to get back to the league. hadn't hadn't played a competitive game in three years. Was in that car accident last February. Um, I mean, almost took his life. It, it was a you know just a, the details of it are pretty harrowing. Um, but you know, Cal knew that he'd kind of been chipping away at his degree. Wanted to come back for his degree anyway. And basically said. You know, come back to Lexington. Be around the team. Take classes. Um, you know, be, be around us and, and uh, you know, come back here for a little bit while, while you sort everything out. So he, he just told me he just up and moved, and it was, the, it was the decision that made the most sense. So he was taking some classes last year, last fall semester. He started hanging around the craft center quite a bit, uh, and he would kind of watch practices, give his input to Cal. It sounded like they had some, some phone conversations. And then the spring semester, January, was the first time he'd taken a full course load. So... Uh, that made him eligible to become a student assistant coach, which is mm. what his official title is right now. Uh, so he's he's sitting on the bench. He's uh, I don't know if you remember the Tennessee game. He kind of got up in Casey Wallace's face and and uh, you know told you know told him how it was. It looked like the the, the Tyler of, of 2016, where he would get in guys' face and just be like, you know, I know what I'm talking about, so you listen and do what I say. Um, and, and it sounds like all the guys love having him around. He's having a blast. Uh, I know Cal likes having him there. So, I, you know, I think he could be a, I, you know, I don't know if it'll be a full assistant 
coach at Kentucky when he graduates or, or what his future is, but I think it's definitely going to be in coaching. Uh, in what? Great. We'll look, we'll look forward to that. And, Ben, we tell our listeners all the time, if you're a Kentucky fan, basketball, football, any sport, uh, you have to subscribe to the Herald-Leader because uh, I, I don't know about the other sections in the paper, but uh, it looks to me like in this media war, it looks like the Herald-Leader has invested all of their money in the sports section. So uh, great, great stories. Go ahead, Mike. Well, yeah, I mean, I just just what kind of impact has Tyler then made on the uh, which we thought was kind of a troubled locker room for a long time? Is has he kind of smoothed some of that out? I mean, has he kind of been a good kind of liaison maybe between the players and the coaches, and, and maybe even lighten the mood? Yeah, I mean, I, I know those stories were out there, but just talking to people behind the scenes and, and talking to the guys, I don't, you know, I think any trouble or anything like that in the locker room was was the natural thing that happens when you're losing it wasn't guys really mad at each other it was just frustration in general at the situation and how things were going especially you know this being a team that thought they were going to win a national championship at the beginning of the season uh you know contend for a final four so i i think a lot of the frustration was actually individual guys kind of inward at themselves uh just just not feeling like they they were performing the way they they thought they would but I do think Tyler and and he talked about that and you know obviously all those assistant co- all those coaches at Kentucky Cal and the assistants all played college basketball uh, and Orlando was a McDonald's All American but nobody played at, at Kentucky and nobody played the type of role that, that Tyler played uh, so he's been through it he knows how he knows what Cal's like he knows what the pressure's like he knows what the fans and the media are like um, you know especially when you hit some bumps in the road like they did his second season so. Yeah, having that kind of liaison, um, that uh, that go between between the coaching staff and the players uh, has got to be big. And I know just from talking to Kaysen Wallace, from talking to Xavier Wheeler, uh, they've they've really really liked having him around and, and getting his input and hearing what he has to say. And yeah, I mean, he I I don't think anybody would argue he's one of the smartest players certainly in the Calipari era that that come through here. So to to have his input on the bench. Uh, Cal obviously trusts him. It sounds like as much as his assistant coaches. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's something that that I think is a major plus. And he's going to be here next season. He told me, and, and he's already looking at highlights of those uh, those five star recruit guards they, they've got coming in. <laughs> ben, uh, let's look forward a little bit. Uh, Tennessee comes to town on Saturday. Had a huge win last night against the number one team in the country in Knoxville. What what do you expect to see out of Tennessee? Uh, good defense is, is usually is usually what they bring. Um, obviously, they had a lot of trouble scoring, especially at the basket in that game down there in Knoxville. Uh, you know, I felt like they they had some bunnies there that that could have gone and and really changed completely changed the narrative of Kentucky's season if if they don't come a, away with a, a win in that game. So, um, you know, I, it, it's going to be. Another one of those gritty games. I feel like, especially if CJ and Sabir can't go, uh, that that's gonna that Tennessee defense is gonna be tough on Case and Wallace. Um, they're gonna cause a lot of problems. Uh, you know, the big guy is gonna be tough on Oscar. That's gonna be a physical battle inside. So I would expect. My guess would be a uh, you know another low scoring game. Tennessee can score. We, we saw him do it uh, last week, but. Um, my, my guess would be a low-scoring game, uh, one of those that, that probably goes down to the, the under-four TV timeout, and, and it's anybody's game, and it's just a matter of who comes up with those big plays like Kentucky managed to last night. 
Yeah, and Xavier didn't play the last time Kentucky and Tennessee mm-hmm. played. Uh, but Kaysen uh, went over in that game, like didn't score at all, didn't really shoot either, uh, Was did have six assists. But five turnovers, to your point about that, how he handled. And that's the key, I think, because CJ was able to step in and have a really nice offensive game, take some of that pressure off. But I, if I remember right, I think that's where CJ started really – kind of making some differences on the defensive end too so i agree cj cj coming back is huge for them what do you think kentucky's got to do in these last five regular season games to just really be solid in the tournament yeah i mean i I think they've got to win at least three of them i would think i I kind of felt like going into this week four and two um would be a pretty good spot Uh, and that's why i think you know last night was 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 such a big win to to kind of start off on the right foot there it's just so hard to tell, though, with, with the way this bubble is. I mean, you've got – I feel like you've got 10 or 12 teams that you could really make a case to slot in front of the others going for about six or seven spots right now. And obviously those those teams all have five or six, six games left too. So I, it's it's one of those where, you know, if you're Kentucky, it's, it's just win. I mean, it's simply go out and, and win basketball games because you can't control the rest. And I don't think we'll really have a great sense of, of what they need to do uh, until the last week of the regular season um, and maybe even going into the tournament just just because of, of what's going on around the country. But, it, you know, if they win those next three games, all quad one games, uh, then I think that puts them in a great spot going into that last week with, with Vanderbilt and Arkansas. That That's obviously a tough task. Uh, it looks like, Ben, the Florida game might have gotten a lot easier given how Castleton has has really been a thorn in, in Oscar's side. He breaks his hand last night and is out for the regular season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously, a, you know, you, you never want to see something like that. It, one of the best players in the league and, and obviously one of the best defenders in the country. He's, he's really fun to watch. But, uh, you know, for, for, you know, Kentucky's end, he, he was – I, they had a perfect game plan for Oscar Sheboy uh, in, in Rupp Arena. They, they were he was able to really bother him with the length. They were able to to really make him catch the ball, you know, two or three feet um, farther away from the basket than he wanted to. Uh, just did a, a really good job um, on him, and and you can't you, you can't replicate that with just another player. You can't plug in somebody and, and tell them, hey, go do what Colin Castleton does. I mean, he, he's one of the best rim protectors in all of college basketball and, and obviously a smart player who uses his, his body and his length well. So, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a, a big-time loss for them. And in and, and, and the short term, that, that's, that's certainly going to help Kentucky's chances, I would think, next week. Yesterday, Dan and I had a spirited conversation about what this roster could look like next year. And we have a senior night coming up uh, against Vanderbilt on March first. Uh, what do you expect? Who do you expect to be celebrated? I guess on that senior night, uh, as far as like who might be back. I mean, I guess everybody technically could come back, but I don't think that's obviously not going to be the case with us with the, with the, the recruiting class coming in. So, what do you think that senior night's going to? Who, who's going to be celebrated on senior night? Well, yeah. So I asked about this last week, and uh, you know, the bad news for for people is that it's not going to tell us anything because i was told that i think they have five or six guys that are eligible to go through senior night and as you said everybody has at least one more year eligibility on this roster but all those guys who are eligible for senior night are being given the choice of of basically going out there and celebrating and i was told don't read anything into whatever anybody does davion mince davion mince went through it twice so (laughs) 
basically <laughs> you can you can choose to go through it but it doesn't mean you're leaving and if you don't go through it it doesn't mean you're staying uh it's just a matter of kind of what you want to do on that day and then the decision comes you know a month or, or whatever later so uh, I would expect most of the guys to go through it, you know, is one of those just in cases. I mean, I mean you know, you look at some of these guys um, like an Antonio Reeves, who, who isn't projected as a draft pick right now. But but what if they go on some magical run in the final four and he scores 30 a game in the tournament and, and he's all of a sudden looks like a, a draft pick? Um, you, you got a tougher decision to make. So. Um, you know, with some season left, I, I think uh, some of these guys are are still weighing decisions, and a lot of them I know don't even really think seriously about it until after the last game is played. So, yeah, I, I would expect most of them to be out there, but um, don't 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 read too much into it because they could still come back. Well, I I hope Lance doesn't leave, so you have somebody to talk to Ben on the on the roster. Uh, real quick, uh, this weekend, a Saturday. Uh, the 96, 97, 98 teams are going to be honored at halftime. Who, uh, did you write the article about there were only like 25 guys that played those three on those three teams? Yeah, yeah, it was it was only 23 actually three, um, okay. across yep. the three teams, which is which is pretty pretty amazing. And the the most amazing part to me though was that it, there were 12 different starters and 18 different players that actually played in those national championship games, which just tells you wow. That, how much continuity and and I mean to to have that level of dominance with that many uh, different key players and and to obviously lose guys like like Delk and Walker and, and Anderson and and still come back and go to title games it was was pretty amazing. Yeah, really is. Uh, he's Ben Roberts uh, at Ben Roberts uh, HL Kentucky dot com. Brought to uh, you by Martini Bistro in the Paddock Shop. Stop out for lunch or dinner. Ben, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, Ben Roberts, twenty-three um, guys. Like, and I'm trying to. I wonder how many of those twenty-three guys went to play pro. I mean, we know nine were on that '96 team. Pageant was not on that '96 team because that was his kind of like year off. So he at least ten, if not. I mean, when you think about half those guys went pro, Dan, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's just incredible how dominant that was, and. I had a really good interview with Derek Anderson last week, actually. That's on a different podcast that I do, uh, more good on the grief. leadership side. Yeah. Well, how do how do you how, how do you make a living if all well, you do are these stupid shows? Well, that that actually one does produce a little bit of income. So the uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, but yeah, we you know Derek's story alone. If you guys have not heard it, he's going to have a thirty for thirty coming out really soon. But like. What that guy had to overcome to be who he is, and always approaching it with a smile on his face. I, wasn't I, he? Wasn't he living in a car at one point? He he basically, um, and I'm not stealing his thunder because he tells these stories. He basically showed up uh, to his apartment when he was a, a 11 years old, and his mom was not there. He was locked out, and he never saw her again for 10 years. Uh, had a baby at 14. Or had a baby at fifteen. The mo- the mom of the baby and the and the grandma of the baby got uh, locked up for shoplifting. So was homeless, raising a child, playing high school basketball, getting like he had like a three point seven GPA. I mean, it was it's he unbelievable. Was, yeah, where he was living and then making the decision, the choices that he made to to stay focused on uh, on 
the positive things in life instead of going down another path. I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear what that guy overcame. Yeah, incredible. All right, well, uh, on the other side, we'll have Jay Davis join us, and we'll talk about all things sports. Hey, when you're ready to explore the outdoors, there's no better place than the Bluegrass State. Hike, bike, paddle, fish, or even venture deep underground, this is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Pine your getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com.